0: and amen and you may be seated and we're so thankful that this is not just a fairy tale or one of aesop's fables but this is something that there have been many who profess to be a christian that have celebrated for years and decades and whatever thousands and thousands of years are we celebrate who jesus is as we pray perhaps you have a prayer request perhaps you have a burden and That is very important and we want to join you in prayer. The Bible commands us to bear one another's burdens, but we want to also pray for those that do not yet know Jesus as Savior. So maybe there's a name, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's a relative or someone you work with. Maybe it's someone that says they're a Christian, but by their behavior, you hope they get it figured out because they are acting the right way. So we want to pray for those that need the hope of Jesus. So, Jesus, this Easter Sunday, we pray for those that do not yet know you, that fear what that belief might mean, that are troubled by the challenge that change would take in their own lives if they believed in you. But, oh, God, may they just see you as a one that loves them, that wipes away every tear, that created them for a purpose, that loves us so much, that is a lift of our head, that gives us guidance and insight, that cares about everything we're going through. And, Father, for the needs represented in this congregation, by our families, in this place that we know of in our community, those that have lost homes because of fire, those that have lost loved ones, Because of death or divorce, those that are struggling with addiction, those that feel as though nobody sees the abuse or the mental illness that they are trying to process and deal with. We thank you, God, that you see and know every need. So, Father, may we receive you desperately, knowing that you give us life, that you give us breath, that we can work and make money and give and serve because you are faithful to be there for us. So Jesus, we say thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we thank you again for uh, coming to Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Uh, We are a church that meets at a school because a church is not a building. It is the followers of Jesus, the followers of Jesus that desire that others might know that God is our hope. Sorry, I jumped the gun. You guys are all excited now. Martha Stewart, did she make this food? I don't think so. Maybe. But we do thank you for your giving and tithes and offerings. You can give here. You can give online. Uh, Hope for Vermont, the Be Generous tab. You can certainly mail uh, checks and gifts to the Chapel Campus, 5793 Waterbury-Still Road, Waterbury Center, Vermont, 05677. You're like, Jeff, am I supposed to write that down? No, but maybe there's somebody watching online that you wanted to know the mailing address. Not because we're out for your money. Churches, I think, have a bad reputation. I do think there are some churches that are misguided and they think, well, did you give your 10% today? We want you to be faithful. But one thing that our congregation has been able to do is with the hygiene pantry, is to give hygiene products to people in need, and that's been awesome. Uh, Right during the heart of the pandemic, we had people mail Amazon packages to the chapel campus so we could package those and give those out. And so it's not about what you give to us so we can get bigger buildings or better lights or nicer microphones. It's how can we as a church give and let the community know that God is for them and we want to be like Jesus. So now we jump to Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart, there's probably many things that come to mind and don't say those out loud, but Martha Stewart had a marketing team when Martha Stewart began to cook or clean or does she dance or do whatever she does. Martha Stewart had a team and Martha Stewart, well, her given name was Martha Helen Kostra. Is that how you say it? I don't know. But they said had this was her name and people said, Hey Martha, you're pretty talented and that's a nice smile, but your name, we got to do something about your name. So let's just go with Stuart because well, Martha Stewart is better than this name. Well, who's this? Well, this is I was going to be inappropriate and put up a picture of a movie she starred in, uh, G.I. Jane, but I was not because maybe you know what's been in the news. But this is Demi Moore. Demi Moore's given name was Demi Jen Guys. Guys? Is that how you say it? But her marketing team said, uh, Demi, you have a great smile. You're a talented actress. We want to get you involved. But with that name, I I don't know if people are going to buy into that name. So we need to change your name. This one, when I heard about it, I got so excited. This is, anybody know who this is? Sting. And when I read, I heard Sting. I was like, oh, the WWE wrestler Sting. Yes, I can't. And then I was like, no, not the wrestler. It's the musician. His name was Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner. So I guess you want to go by Sting because you want to say, hey, you're going to the Sting concert. That's going to be so rad. Can't wait. Instead of let's go to the Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner concert. That's going to be a long name and I'm out of breath just pronouncing his name. So what is in a name? There's so much in a name. And they just say, hey, your name is different. There's more meaning to your name. Your name is not just your family name. We actually were talking the other day, and I don't know why my daughter brought it up, but she said, I'm going to name my son. It's like, what are you talking about naming your kids already? Like, you aren't even in college. You don't even have a boyfriend. Well, let's not talk about baby names. And so we were just talking about names and what names mean. And some of you know that uh, Oz Adopted, Uh, if you didn't know that, well, Oz Adopted, but well, I had a Korean name uh, that's kind of an ongoing joke for you that are new here. And if you feel like I'm new, I don't know anybody, that's probably most of us. So just introduce yourself after over coffee and it'll be fine. But uh, my Korean name was Shin Young Sook. And then I was adopted by a family in Yakima, Washington, that renamed me Christopher Weedmark. I don't know if I had a middle name or not, but that's just what they said. But that was marked a failed adoption, not because not because I had allergies or I was a difficult baby or I had stinky dope diapers because of those allergies, not because of that. It was probably some other reason. And then I was renamed Jeffrey Michael Fuller. So that's my three names. There's a lot to do with a name. But my daughter said, well, I'm definitely not going to name my kid Jeffrey. and I said, Good, and she said, like, Really? She thought like I'd be insulted. But I was like, No, I really never like my name, Jeffrey. It's just kind of weird. And so we we're trying to think of like another name to name myself. And it's like, so I need a marketing team, so my identity is not just this, this. is my favorite one. Hey, pilgrim. Where, where's uh Tim? This is John Wayne john wayne the man's man carry a gun ride a horse like i'm john wayne well they had to switch his name because his name was marion robert morris <laughs> hey i'm marion carrying my gut there's just not the ring to it so there's a lot to do with a name so marion robert morrison his team of people said, if you're going to wear this hat, if you're going to be a cowboy, you need to be a John Wayne. There's a lot in a name. And sometimes our names, we just look at our past or our worst uh, defeat. Sometimes people remember us as, well, you're the person that got in the motorcycle accident, or you're the person, oh, that was a tragic house fire, or you're the person that was an awful divorce, or you lost your loved one. You survived cancer. And instead of being known for maybe what we want to be known for, we're known for something that happened to us. But Jesus is saying through Easter, there is a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Oh, yes, it is mine. This is a old, old song. When I tried to look it up, they did a new remix of it. And I pressed play and I was like, I don't recognize this song. I kind of know the lyrics. I would sing it like I did at the... uh Sunrise service, anybody up for the 6.30 sunrise? I should have marketed it as a sunrise service, but we're online at 6.30, and I tried to sing it. It was terrible, but you can go back and, no, don't go back and listen. But there's a new name written down in heaven, and it's mine. Jesus doesn't see us as sinner. Jesus doesn't see us as lost. Jesus doesn't see us as, oh, they need improvement. Jesus sees us as That is my creation who I love. I have a plan for your name, your person, your being. This is Holy Week. This is what we celebrate. This is remembering the Last Supper. This is remembering the betrayal. This is remembering Jesus in the garden praying. This is remembering the flogging, the blood. This is today remembering he is risen. And he is risen. He is risen. Indeed, this is what we celebrate. This is what we get to recall that God has something for us. And perhaps you're one that you have maybe even a chip on your shoulder where it's like, ah, I gripped my teeth and I made it through that divorce. I gripped my teeth and I made it through that bankruptcy. That's part of me. I want it. I want people to know that I'm gritty and I'm tough. And Jesus says, But you're forgiven. And that's greater that people would know that you are forgiven, that you are mine than anything else that you have. Easter. There was a sermon that said, without Jesus, we wouldn't even know what year it was. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. I think a couple found it amusing. But B-C-A-D, without Jesus, what year would it be? Like, without Jesus, he was a true man that factually lived, that's recorded in a history. This Jesus, what year would it be without Jesus? Well, I don't know. There are millions that have believed in Jesus as the Messiah. There are also thousands upon thousands upon thousands and even more that deny that Jesus ever existed. And so I go to the reports of those that sought to find his remains, look for the DNA of his bones, that went to the tomb and search for other tombs to see maybe they missed the fact that Jesus' bones are still in there. Historical facts, as he really lived, where are his remains? Those have not been found by anyone. <clears throat> The cross, it rests on the timeline of history like a compelling diamond. Its tragedy summons all the sufferers. Its absurdity attracts all the cynics. Its hope lures all searchers. Far more than a gold-plated symbol of religious belief, the cross is a centerpiece of the Christian life, the meeting place of time and eternity where God and man encounter each other. When you look at the cross, you need to be faced with the fact that crosses were used all of the time. Crosses were seen, but this cross that we remember Jesus no longer has Jesus on it, but we have a risen Savior. This is from Max Licato's book, No Wonder They Call Him Savior. Pew Research uh, those that grew up in a church, it used to be the wooden bench you sat on was Pew uh, Pews. Uh, some people think religion is Pew Stinky. I don't know where they came up with the name Pew Research, but the latest Pew Research said 30% of Americans identify as nuns, not like the Catholic nuns, but no religion. 30% of those in the United States represent or say that there is no religion that they are affiliated with. And just a tick, just a hair, just a fragment, over 50% of Americans do not attend any house of worship. So it could be Buddhist, Islam, it could be a synagogue, it could be church, temple. Over 50% do not attend a local church. What does that mean for us? That means stop trying to take people from another church. If you don't like your church, work it out with your pastor and pray to God and figure out what's going on. If you don't like your church, don't just say, hey, let's find another church that I kind of like to see it better. The lighting's better. This floor, this tile floor, this is a great selling point. Come to our church. We have the best floor ever. That's uh, that's facetiousness because nobody comes for our floor. I spoke with someone this week and I said, hey, Happy Easter. And he said, "Hey, happy Easter to you! I'm glad I don't have to dress up like an Easter bunny." And i are like, "What? Easter bunnies? Maybe you think they're cute. I think they're freaky. I hate them. I think they're just weird." And so, anyway, this just maybe that's a cute costume. But I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Well, Jeff, you know I always dressed up for the Easter like as an Easter bunny for the Easter egg hunt for the kids to go to." It's like, "No, I, I didn't." But hey, happy Easter! He's like, "Yeah, have a good weekend." And for those that are wondering, we do have an Easter egg hunt after. So we are not against Easter egg hunts, but we understand that there's more to church than just candy. But the thought of, hey, I don't have to dress up as an Easter bunny without the crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. God going back, Jesus going back to heaven, receiving God, there would only be a bunny and too much candy. We already celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We already celebrate Valentine's Day. Like, we don't need another holiday focused on candy and a mythical creature. Like, it's not even a cool one. It's not Bigfoot or Sasquatch. It's a bunny. Like, can't we think of something better than that? But without Jesus, that's all we would have. And for those that are atheists, we'd be like, yay, Easter, another overpromoted marketed holiday to sell us overpriced candy. But with Jesus, there's so much more. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. This is after he was betrayed, after uh, Peter cut off the guy's ear and Jesus put it back on. This is after that. They began to state their case against Jesus. This is the religious leaders of the day. They said, this man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. Now, if you read and have listened the last couple of weeks, Jesus said, pay your taxes. So they actually made up something to the Roman leaders that the Roman leaders would care about. The Roman leaders did not care about him claiming to be the Messiah. Let me say that again. The Roman leaders did not care that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. But the Roman leaders certainly cared if they're paying their fair share, giving their taxes, giving to Caesar what is Caesar's, which Jesus said to do. So it began with a lie. So Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you've said it. He didn't have to defend himself because even in the question, the answer was already there. You are the king of the Jews. Then later on, the mighty roar rose from the crowd. And with one voice, they shouted. All together, they shouted. Everyone together said, kill him and release Barabbas. All together, they were united in one accord. They were brought together on common ground. They had this unity that they wanted to kill Jesus so that Barabbas one who was in prison for taking part in an insurrection against the government and for murder would be released. This is who they wanted. They wanted Barabbas, one that was known for such things. Pilate argued with them. Are you serious? Like Barabbas, you've known what he's done. You've seen what he's done. This Jesus, all I've heard are the reports of how he's healed people, how people have been lifted up and encouraged by him. But they kept shouting, crucify him crucify him. The word excruciating came from crucifixion. The crucifixion was not to be uh, just like the death penalty. The crucifixion was to be a deterrent, that it would be long and people would watch and witness and think about what crime do they commit because there's no way I might be able to take a quick death, but there's no way I want to endure Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Crucifixion, <clears throat> as many might just think, is a Bible story that you heard when you went to vacation Bible school. Or you just remember seeing or hearing somewhere that they put the nails through the wrist between the two bones. And crucifixion is how one died was because of suffocation, because as Jesus was brutally beaten, flogged 39 times, his body ripped apart. The Bible records, history records that you couldn't even barely tell he was a person. He was brutally mangled. So they nailed his wrists, and it was suffocation. The only way to catch a breath is to have the nails grit and grind against the bone as he pulled himself up for a breath. But the problem with crucifixion is you couldn't exhale, so it just fill your lungs. And just the pain and the agony that he felt. He was being nailed to the cross when he said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Feeling such agony and pain, would you say, Jesus, forgive them! We have a friend, and uh, so you know I'm not making it up. You can ask Bethany. Uh, Mr. Bustrom was a professor of hers. He was on the mission field, and there were people that came in to uh, to loot or steal whatever they had, and, and he actually protected his wife. He just allowed them to beat him, and he still has scars and marks on his arms, and he just uh, protected his wife, and... And after, he prayed, Jesus, that they would know you, that they would know you. It was not vengeance. It was not calling authority. The first response is that they might know Jesus. And the soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leader scoffed. He saved others. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour Wine, the soldiers mocked him too. If you have a highlighter, if you have your uh, mobile device out, if you're writing down, the soldiers mocked him too. Write that down. We're going to get back to that in a minute. If Jesus is the Messiah, what would you say? I mean, there's already people at sporting events, right or wrong, I think it's anyway, I won't give you my opinion, right or wrong at sporting events that people are playing and you feel like you can harass them. You can say, airball, he's a joke. Get that bum off the court. What a loser. You lost. That's terrible. Get him out. And these guys are probably saying, hey, I make millions of dollars to play a kid's game. You're yelling at me. It's not going to bother me. Jesus, they were yelling at him. Jesus, if you're the Messiah, come on, show us a miracle. We heard about how you fed the five thousand. You know, my great aunt, sisters, cousins, dog walker heard that you healed their neighbor. So if you did that, then maybe you can help me. And so they were mocking and making fun. A sign was fastened above him with these words: "This is the King." of the Jews, in their mockery, in their jeering, in their trying to disprove who Jesus was, they were declaring who Jesus is. Yeah, this is the king of the Jews, but they did not realize, no, this is the king, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ, this is the one that loves us. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah? Come on, are you prove it by saving yourself and us too? While you're at it, come on, Jesus, save me. I'm on the cross. I know what I did. I know my crime deserves this punishment, this penalty. Save us. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's something about humility that says, God, I hear you're out there. I hear you love me. I'm not shaking my fist and saying, prove yourself by making me wealthy, by giving me a wife, by doing a miracle. I'm just saying, Jesus, if you're out there, I need help. You read the newspaper, you turn on the news, probably don't watch the news. My friend that says he doesn't believe in an afterlife, he said, when I get older, I'm never watching the news. Because he still lives at home. And he's like, all my parents do is flip channel to channel to watch the news. What does this news site say? What does this news site say? And he says, stop watching the news. But if you watch the news, if you read the newspaper, if you know current events, if you work in a public place, then there's a need for God. And you could say, Jeff, that sounds good, but it takes too much work. Well, simply put, you can live a Christian life, and if there's no God, no afterlife, then what did you lose out on? Hangovers, gambling debts, divorces, broken relationships, great stories, but some shame and guilt inside. But if you do live the Christian life and you die and you find out that there is a heaven, and there is a hell, you're going to lose out on a lot more than certain feelings of what a fun time that was when I was young and dumb and and poor. Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. You know what's so intriguing and awesome and familiar about this story is we've heard it a million times. We hear it every year. Every church, every pastor brings it up. We've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. Enough! But have we heard, today you'll be with me in paradise, not, well, I'm going to save you so you can get down off that cross, so you can go get baptized, so you can go find a local church, so you can go tell your parents, so you can go confess your sins, so you can go apologize, so you can go start giving tithes, so you can go volunteer, so you can go doing the right things. No, Jesus said, today by your confession, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, you're forgiven. Right now, at the instant that you said, Jesus, I need you, you are forgiven. It's not based on what we've done, what we can manufacture, who likes us, or who sees God in us. It only matters as if we identify with Jesus. If our new name is written down in glory, Jesus, I am yours. The light from the sun, this is a little later on, was God, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle from top to bottom. This was a curtain that was over a foot thick. This is a miracle in itself. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. Then Jesus shouted, Father! In the original language, it's Daddy! Think of a kid, a baby, an infant. Like, they can't even get out, "Dada." They're just like, da-da. They just look at it like, da. And we like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so cute. But to that child, all they know is that is their father. That's the one that loves them. They're just like, da. And Jesus said, daddy, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Here am I. I've done it all. I completed the task. I did not want to do this. I did not want to go through the pain. But here I am. I did it. We're done. It's over. And with those words, he breathed his last. Remember the soldiers that mocked too? The soldiers that made fun? The Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, and he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. This word worship? Proskuneu, which is Greek, which means he worshiped. This soldier, this one in charge of execution, this is Clara. Wave to Clara. Hey, Clara. This, oh, I love basketball. We can talk about basketball after. That's a fact. The soldier that had mocked Jesus, the soldier that had the power to put anyone on the cross or to carry out and follow through executions, he humbled himself, stopped mocking. This man was not guilty. Sometimes we want to mock. We want to say, where are you, God? And Jesus is saying, I am here as your savior waiting for you to come to me. Sin separated that centurion from Jesus. The criminals on the cross, you and I. But the cross took us from death to life. Now I know, and I'll just be clear, because sometimes people get into church service like, wow, that's really good. Other people like, these graphics are terrible. Where did you get those? It's better than clip art, okay? So it's better than clip art. The cross takes us from death to life, from sin, from our identity, from our name as you are not worthy of Jesus to life. <clears throat> so Luke 24, after Jesus was buried. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> can you imagine going to the tomb? You think the stone's going to be there? Going to the burial place? Maybe it's going to see a relative that passed away, and you go to their gravesite. you go to the mausoleum, you go to the place where their remains are, and you just go, and all of a sudden, it's open? I don't know, maybe you would be, but I would not be running in, saying, like, hey, what happened? I'll be kind of scared. You might have to check my britches. There might be something going on. I'm just kind of nervous. Like, what is taking place? As you look at the tomb, you kind of look around the side. You push the other woman in front. Say, hey, you check it out first. You know, you're pretty tough. I got your back. You're just looking. But when they finally went in, they did not see Jesus there. As they stood, they were puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces. Same word as worship. Bowed with their faces to the ground. The same word as the Roman centurion worshiping God. Then the man asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why are you looking for Jesus in the middle of the tomb, when he is alive. Remember when he told you that he loves you, that he has a plan, that he's going to restore his kingdom, and that it's not here on earth so you can get political power or gain some sort of prowess in this way, but it's so that you can know that Jesus is for you no matter what. He isn't here! He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again. Not on Friday. Not on Saturday. But on Sunday, he would rise again. Then they remembered that he had said this. Then they remembered. Then they Remembered. I am praying that we will remember. I am praying that God's creation will remember their creator. I am praying that as Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, that people will remember the salvation that is for us is not by our works, but by God's grace. All we need to do is believe. Say, Jesus, I have sinned. I confess it. I repent. I turn away. I choose to follow you. You can't take credit for it. If someone said, Jeff, I'm going to do something terrible to your family, unless you come up with $10,000. I mean, I like my truck, but I probably could get $10,000. I like my daughter a little bit more, a whole lot more. So I could sell my truck and save my daughter. So whatever. I could come up probably with $10,000. I, I could do it. But if they said, Jeff, it's going to take $10 billion to save your family. Like okay. I... Now, we can't equate Jesus to money, but it's very similar that you think you can come up with enough. You can't do enough good things to get Jesus to say, hey, you're pretty special. But you can't say, Jesus, in my humility, I'm broken. I'm lost. I'm penniless. I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. I'm filled with shame and guilt. Here I am, that mess. And Jesus says, that's exactly who I want. You, Not the smiley, nice person you walk into church on Sunday, but the one that yells at your spouse in the car because the kids were late and they didn't feed the dog, or they left the dog out and the cat scratching the couch. That's the one that Jesus wants, the one that is real. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for us, a new name for us, one that says, you are my masterpiece. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my friends, the one I love. Uh, I should have asked Alan if this is still the case. Alan Aiken rides his bike to church three miles here, three miles back. I said, Alan why do you ride your bike to church? And he gave me the answer for why he rides his bike. But I was like, no, no, no. Why do you ride this your bike to this church? And Alan told me once, hopefully it hasn't changed. If it has, don't tell anybody. Alan said, I found a place I belong. So I'm going to quote that and quote that and quote that and quote that because church, the family of God is a place where you belong. Whether Living Hope Wesleyan Church or a different church, this is a place you belong. The family of God that says, hey, we're all sinners, but God has a plan for your life. So let's go together, bear one another's burdens, lift each other's eyes to focus on Jesus and know that he is good. Uh, Music team, if we could have you come back, we're going to close um, in a song. Won't you become who he calls you, not who you have defined yourself? Won't you become the masterpiece that Jesus already calls you instead of who you have defined yourself? Well, I'm a hard worker. Well, I'm a fuller. Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I still sin. Jesus calls you a masterpiece. Won't you become who he says you already are? Become your identity to reflect and acknowledge that God cares about us, that he is so good, that he loves us, that when you're sin, his death on the cross paid for that sin because on the cross, Jesus took on our sin. But when they went into that empty tomb, you know what they did not find? Well, Jesus. But they did not find your sin buried there waiting to be uncovered by someone to point out, Hey, remember when they did this? Our sin is not just buried, but it is gone. It is removed. God sees us as his masterpiece, as his children, that we can have great hope in knowing him. This is... Easter Sunday, the celebration. So you might be concerned like, man, they're going to dig up my sin. Jesus said, hey, it's paid for. It's done. Just choose me. Choose me. Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you that you love us. Father, it's hard to believe that there's nothing we can do except say, hey, here am I, you see me, I choose to follow you, so I turn from my stuff and go after you. But we thank you that's the truth. Based on your word, based on the evidence, based on the experience of millions of people that have followed you, that are rejoicing, that are surrounding us as a great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on, saying, follow Jesus. Perhaps there is someone today that says, hey, I need to confess my sin and make Jesus Savior. And if that's you, just say, God, you know I've messed up. But if it's true, and oh yes, based on God's word, it is true. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can be baptized as soon as you want. You can know that you are a new creation, that you are not Marion, but you are John Wayne. That God has a new name for us, victorious, as we go to him, humbly confessing our need for him. So if you say that, I would ask, tell me so we can go together. You might say, Jeff, I don't want to meet with you. Then fine, I'll find you a better pastor than me, a better Christian than me, because there are a lot. But we need each other to grow together to know his love and his salvation. This is what we celebrate the goodness of God. I'm going to invite you guys to stand up and let's just end this great service by singing together and praising him and celebrating him for his goodness and for giving us a new name. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, till I lay my head.